Welcome to Water Experts Unfiltered, the podcast dedicated to digital innovations in the water industry. In each episode, we dive into specific water industry challenges with a Bentley expert and discuss technology solutions to real water problems. Learn why thousands of water infrastructure professionals use Bentley's hydraulics and hydrology software every day. Hi. My name is Cecilia, and I want to welcome you to our podcast of this series. Today, I have with me a very special guest, William Sarney from Water Foundry, a globally recognized leader in water strategy. Will, thanks for accepting our invitation. Can you please introduce yourself and tell us about, you know, how did you end up working with water, your relation with water? It sounds great. So, Cecilia, a, a pleasure being here. Uh, thanks for the invitation. Always love these conversations. So, um, happy to, I hate to say dive in, but I will dive in uh, to your question. So, uh, I got into the world of water uh, because I, I grew up in New York City. I started surfing on Long Island. I got hooked on the ocean. I thought I was going to go into oceanography. My master's thesis was in oceanography. Uh, but along the way, I got a job with a groundwater consulting firm uh, long, on Long Island uh, by the name of Garrity and Miller. And this was really one of the earliest groundwater consulting firms. And I was instantly hooked on fresh water. And I got hooked. Because this this whole uh, focus on prospecting for water and delivering safe water to communities and industries and so on uh, just became compelling, and I became passionate about it. And uh, you know, I, I don't forget about oceanography or the ocean. I, I still love it, uh, but I really got hooked on fresh water and uh, have done that for quite some time. I think it's impossible to every person to be attached to water somehow, right? <laughs> it's, it's part of the ecosystem where we live. So I think it's actually a natural um, connection to say so. Yeah. Um, one of the aspects um, I would like to cover today is the value of water. And there's an interesting report from World Wild uh, Fund about the high cost of cheap water. I mean, the true value of water and freshwater ecosystems to people and planets. There's a lot in this report, but it sends a really clear message on the misconception that there is on water's um, abundance, right? I mean, even though 70% of the Earth's um, surface is covered by water, our freshwater security is under threat due to extensive exploration of rivers, lakes, aquifers, I mean, this is not new, right? And I mean, you know this, water experts know this. We even touch upon this, you know, very briefly on the first uh, podcast of this series. So in your opinion, what is the main message that this report brings? So I, I love this report. I view it as, you know, one of the uh, more important things that happened last year. You know, I always yeah. do an end of year look back, you know, what in my opinion, were sort of the big events in, in the world of water. Uh, and this report was one of them. And 
it, it really did frame uh, and quantify the value of water globally uh, from an economic perspective. And, uh, you know, as I recall, the number was something like $59 trillion, which is roughly 60% of the global GDP based upon 2021 data. So, you know, if you think about how we don't value water compared to quantifying the value, uh, we've got a long way to go uh, in terms of understanding the value of water from a uh, economic development perspective, business perspective, the social dimension of it, and environmental perspective. So it was a really key report in my mind in that it was really the first time that anyone had quantified the economic value uh, to the global economy. Uh, and it's interesting, we, you know, in, in my practice, we've always uh, worked with companies primarily on helping them quantify the business value of water uh, in a similar fashion that WWF did. And I really do believe that going forward, we, we really need to have that narrative and we really need to be talking about the value of water and quantifying that and getting people to understand uh, all stakeholders that, you know, what you pay for water, you know, the price of water or even the full cost of water doesn't come anywhere near the real value of water. So I'm glad you brought up that report. I just see it as such a, uh, a key development. Uh, so now we need to take it and run with it, so to speak. I actually brought that because I also saw your LinkedIn report, you know, your post where you were talking about some of the, yeah, the keynotes that you took from the year. And I was like, oh, this is so interesting because this is exactly the type of things that usually people do not talk about. So sometimes right. people talk about the cost of the water and that is the, the amount that they pay for the water they consume. And that is, you know, not even close to what mm -hmm. it, it, it really, um, I mean, the real cost of all the ecosystem itself. One of the things that the report, um, I mean, gives emphasis is to the fact that water plays a crucial role, not only in sustaining communities uh, and species, of course, um, but also driving industrial production, transportation mm -hmm. of goods, energy generation throughout the supply chain. It really stressed the interconnectedness of freshwater access and usage, highlighting that decisions regarding water have far-reaching impacts on various industries and communities, which is something that we many times forget. I wouldn't say that the water people forget because we're always <laughs> kind of stressing that, right? <laughs> but I mean, a new approach offers an answer that, you know, may shed light over big questions, right? So do you think that this uh, report offers this new vision to make it easier to understand this big and wicked problem? I know you like wicked problems. <laughs> I, I do love wicked problems. Um, so, you know, when I speak to uh, companies primarily, you know, whether it's the chief sustainability officer or C-suite or, or, you know, occasionally board, it, you know, I open up by pointing out that you, you can't do anything without water. And uh, manufacturing semiconductor chips, automobiles, whatever it may be, requires water, you know, to varying degrees. So, you know, as we think about uh, economic development, uh, business continuity, business growth, water 
you know, that leader, that gallon is is really, really critical in the, in the scheme of things. So I do believe that there's a lot more we can do uh, as water people, which I, I, I love that term, um, <laughs> to, re- to really convey that message that regardless of what you pay for water and what it looks like on your profit and loss statement, the value is far greater. And I would also throw in brand value. So, you know, for corporations that, you know, are in a leading position on how they relate to water, uh, there is brand value. And the flip side of that, that, you know, there's reputational risk. So, yeah, I, I, I really do believe there's a lot more we can do in terms of emphasizing that. And, you know, you brought up wicked problems and, uh a good friend of mine, Tom Higley, introduced me to Wicked Problems a number of years ago, and uh, he knew nothing about water. And I explained to him, you know, what I do in the world of water and some of the issues that you know you and I are familiar with. And he said, "Wow, water is a wicked problem." So I I have uh, adopted that from Tom, and I, I talk about it a lot because I think we tend to view water as complicated. Uh, which it is, but it, it is in fact wicked, and and that there are attributes to that that uh, we really need to be mindful of as water professionals and and how we approach really trying to solve water. One of the things that I saw in in when I was reading the report, um, they talk about you know the water blindness. I mean the lack of awareness and understanding of the importance of water resources. Um, so not only the water that, you know, we open the tap and there's the water, but really the, the, the I mean, it has an immense cost. And, and mm-hmm. today the world is facing a universal and worsening water crisis um, today that maybe we haven't had before. And as you said in the beginning, right, um, record, I mean, the, the report uh, says that uh, freshwater's economic value reached 58 trillion in dollars in 2021, right? Equivalent to 60% of global GDP. Um, do you think the report is kind of negative or you do you think that this water blindness as the report uh, um, explores, how could we kind of have a positive uh, um, view on this? <laughs> how can the governments act in a way that they see um, a positive because some people will read the report will think, oh, my God, we're not taking, you know, enough measures. Oh, my God. Um, so do you think the report covers this aspects to have a positive action? I, th- those those are great questions. So with respect to blindness, absolutely agree. Water is invisible. And in some ways, it used, it, it's the way energy used to be, where mm-hmm. You know, people have an outlet, they they plug whatever into it, and they don't know where the energy comes from. Well, it's the same thing with water. We, you know, water does not come from the tap. It comes from a watershed. It comes from groundwater. And I believe that water people, water professionals, uh, could do a much better job in engaging the layperson on the issues of water, the value of water, the importance of it, uh, protecting it, and and so on. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot more we can do with respect to blindness. And 
you know, I started my career as a hydrogeologist doing groundwater work. You know, groundwater is truly invisible. I mean, you know, people don't have a clue. So how do we do a better job in terms of communicating that? And I believe, you know, that's part of your mission here uh, with this interview and, and your, your video cast, you know, and, and the second issue of, um, you know, whether this is a negative message or a positive message, uh, I'm an optimist. So I believe that this is a positive message because we are, you know, calling out, declaring that water has value well beyond its price. And my point of view is that the private sector and the public sector can take that and run with it and start to think about, okay, the, the, the leader of water is critical for economic development in my country, my region. Uh, how do I use water as uh, essentially, you know, a way to fuel economic development? So I, I like to flip it around and say, okay, great, you know, we're, we're challenged. But if you think about water as a positive and a way to fuel economic development or business growth, then it opens up all sorts of possibilities, whether it's, you know, innovation and partnerships, uh, innovation and in, uh, technology, which is the world that you live in. Uh, you know, it, it absolutely is, uh, a, you know, no shortage of opportunities for both the public and the private sector. Yeah, and I think um, one of the good notes that the report has along the, the all the pages is um, one of the things that they do is they call out for civil society, decision makers, regulation, how each, you know, can act. So it is a call for action as well. So, I mean, mm -hmm. for those who are listening to, to, to us, I think that's a really good um, report to, to read. I mean, it has really nice images as well for water. Um, I mean, there's no, um, there's no way, there's no only one way of solving um, problems, right? And, and we see this, I mean, this uh, water crisis, what I come, when I look at the report, I just see this is a call for action. And the action that is needed and, and the solutions do exist. So, I mean, they range from technological solutions around big data, for example, today, but also water use efficiency systems. So it's not only a lot of we see a lot of marketing like, you know, close your tap um, when you're washing your teeth or things like that. But it's much more than that. And I think that's what the report comes uh, to to us to, you know, use uh, nature-based solutions, reconnect rivers, um, bring uh, the rivers to the, I mean, do not close your rivers, right? Give the space mm -hmm. for the rivers because they become, your cities will become more resilient if you do that because there's a resilience in the natural um, ecosystems. And so one of the things that I also saw was that they were calling for technology to help mitigate these risks. So what type of technology do you think are critical um, help that can help mitigate these type of risks? Sure. Um, so I agree with you. You know, the <clears throat> the, the call to action is uh, very much in part about innovation. And, you know, when I think about innovation and, and my message, it's it's always that, you know, we're, we're really looking for innovation in public policy, innovation in new business models, you know, water as a service, water treatment as a service, 
uh, as examples, um, innovation part in uh, funding and financing and, and certainly technology. So from a technology perspective, uh, you know, where I see all of this going, uh, first and foremost, digital. And, and I believe digital technologies uh, are transforming water in both the public and private sector. Analog is no longer uh, an option. And what I mean by digital is, and again, this is, you know, in part your world, you know, it's data acquisition and analytics, you know, using satellites, on the ground sensors. Uh, there's a whole movement right now uh, in, in taking dumb water homes and making them smart, just as we did with energy, uh, you know, in terms of uh, water efficiency, leak detection, uh, real-time water quality monitoring, and so on. So digital for me is is probably the biggest trend in the world of water right now, uh, either as a pure play or as an enabling technology. Uh, you know, as I, I look at some of the other trends, I believe that uh, decentralized and extreme decentralized water and water treatment systems provide uh, other options to centralized systems and not to suggest that centralized systems are going to go away, but suddenly we have technologies uh, that are available that uh, provide more options on the menu, if you will. So if you think about that, that is uh, air moisture capture technologies, so the ability to collect air moisture, uh, either at a small scale, large scale, uh, and use that for potable drinking water, um, localized water treatment systems, uh, you know, either at the neighborhood scale uh, or the building scale, uh, residential gray water recycling technologies. I think that's really, really interesting. Uh, and, and moving treatment into the built environment. Uh, you know, I would also add uh, advances in uh, material science. So the ability to uh, treat water with very, very low energy requirements. Uh, you know, that's really interesting and there's a lot going on right now. Uh, also uh, related to hydrogen production. So, you know, for me, it's what I would categorize as exponential technologies, digital and then advances in material science that are uh, driving uh, new membranes and, and therefore uh, greater options uh, with respect to desalination, but also water treatment. Uh, yeah, so, you know, all sorts of exciting technologies uh, that are really trying to address water quantity and quality. I mean, we always hear that um, crisis brings um, innovation <laughs> because we need to be, you know, we need to rethink the way we do things mm -hmm. in, in face of crisis. So when I was reading the report and you said in the beginning, you know, water touches everything, you know, fashion, it touches, you know, components, technology, everything that is related to. So whenever I uh, hear about the SEGs and in the beginning when people were talking about them and you would see water companies, they would like put two or three maximum. Today you see them adding mm -hmm. more because 
the interactions between all of them is, I mean, enormous. Um, so one of the things that they report, that they talk about in the report is the access of, of water, you know, that we need to become more resilient, we need to bring more water to people. And one of the things that I was looking at, I mean, one of the reasons why I also like to work in technology is that, you know, you're not doing a certain project, but you are enabling people to do, mm -hmm. you know, whatever they find uh, interesting. So, I mean, every year we have um, we have our um, a program where people can submit, users can submit um, their projects. And I mean, when I was looking at the report, I was thinking, oh, this is so interesting because we have seen this and that. So I think good and positive examples are very important to be shared to motivate others to act because, you know, when you were talking about being positive or negative, many times people are like, oh yeah, but we do not have the money or, you know, that happens oh. in a rich country, right? Because, you know, in another one you cannot. But I mean, one of the, the projects that we saw this year, it was related to a program in India where they want to bring, they have a, a governmental program to, you know, bring water to each house in India. So the way they're doing this is that they're using the technology, you know, to do optimized schemes, you know, that they can do it mm -hmm. in a much faster so they can actually bring water faster to people and in optimized way, you know, not having the problems of water reaching to everyone or not. Um, also in the Philippines, for example, they had a program to share water with local populations because although these populations lived in the watershed and the and the report talks about that, like uh, people living in a certain area where they have uh, water, but they did not have the access to the water, although they were in taking water and, 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 and using it. So these are two big projects where I think, you know, the value of water is nothing compared right to the 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 life they're creating with the access of water that they ha are having and if we think about more modern um uh, cities or 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 countries um one of the projects that that submitted that actually won the project is the sacramento's largest public works project EcoWater. I don't know if you heard about it. No. Um, yeah, they upgraded the infrastructure to facilitate the treatment of approximately 135 million gallons of wastewater per mm. day. And I mean, they need to provide a safe and reliable supply of treated water um, that will use for recycled water purpose. They use the technology to um, work in a connected digital visual environment and Basically, what they accomplished that was that the project was completed under $400 million under budget. And I mean, these savings they're going to use in different projects that are needed for that area. So mm -hmm. if you think about how the technology is enabling these, I mean, these people around the world, I mean, it's impressive. I mean, yeah, it's the type of things that, you know, we see positive coming from when I'm reading the report, I'm just thinking about that. I don't know if you have other examples I, you would like to share. It, it, yeah, I, I I do believe that a rethink of water infrastructure opens up all sorts of possibilities. And, and I often joke, but it's it for me, it's really not a joke that you know the Romans would recognize 
our water infrastructure. You know, we're, we're basically extracting, transporting, treating, and delivering water uh, through plumbing. And uh, there are new technologies out there uh, enabled by digital uh, tech that can deliver alternative sources in a uh, very different way, uh, in a more localized uh, manner beyond, uh, you know, big infrastructure projects. So, uh, yeah, it, you know, it, it, we need to be thinking about what is 21st century technology and what is the uh, intersection with digital, you know, real-time data, uh, actionable information, delivering it to the layperson. And it sort of goes back to, you know, an earlier uh, part of our conversation on, you know, water's invisible. Well, how do we make it visible? Uh, we make it visible by delivering information to people on their smartphones, uh, for example, uh, and having them understand the quality and the quantity of water. Uh, and in terms of, you know, large scale projects, I think it's really interesting to see uh, the rise and adoption of water reuse in the United States. Uh, you know, in, in certain parts of the world, it's well established and, and scaled. Uh, that really takes a lot of stress off of getting uh, additional fresh water, whether it's from surface water and groundwater, and just giving, uh, you know, people the ability to use water more than once. Uh, you know, so. Yeah, I, you know, fascinating technologies out there. It's a matter of how do we uh, how do we create public policies that are enabling and get people to think about what has to change with respect to water. You know, it, in I'm based in Denver, and uh, the American West is going through aridification due to climate change, and. Uh, you know, the notion that you can continue to tap into the Colorado River the way you did, you know, a few decades ago uh, just needs to be abandoned and, and really rethink uh, alternative sources of water and, uh, you know, water reuse and water recycling. Sustainability, right? That the right word behind yeah. all these uses and, and, and pressure. Um, one of the things that we talked about in in our first podcast, we 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 talked about water wise cities, uh, because you know one of the problems of the pressure on on our natural uh, resources and freshwater uh, uh, ecosystems is the fact that we need water, so we consume water and then we use the water and then we discharge the the uh, the water. But many times when we talk about, you know, cities becoming more resilient and cities achieving certain uh, um, targets, they commonly, when you go and look at everything, water is not included. Right. So, so I think and this is something that I'm always saying, you know, in order to achieve the targets that, you know, the cities, the governments are, are putting, we need to include um, cities. But it's a tricky thing. I mean, how to engage more the cities with, I mean, the water. And I mean, when we talk about smart cities, um, how should we tackle these problems and challenges? 
That's a wicked uh, well, one. <laughs> it, it, it is. It's part of, a, you know, why water is a wicked problem. Um, you know, I in, in some ways, I think we need to look at, you know, what's happened in the world of carbon and, and climate change uh, and uh, you know, using the city, the, you know, an urban environment to uh, sort of frame what some of the key resource issues are, uh, you know, climate smart city, we need water smart cities, uh, and, and there are you know, consulting engineering firms and technology companies uh, that are very focused on moving us from dumb water <laughs> cities to smart water cities. And, and you know, you typically use that with respect to homes uh, and the built environment, but that's gaining a fair amount of traction. I, you know, I do believe at COP28, there was a fair amount of discussion yeah. on, you know, how do we how do we use the city as a unit, if you will, to uh, integrate technologies enabled by smart uh, public policies uh, to address some of the issues? And it's just becoming incredibly uh, critical. Uh, you know, in, in some ways, cities really can't uh, not just expand, but create a uh, more sustainable and resilient uh, construct for humanity so you know we, we, we've got a long way to go i mean i i do think that uh making it tangible to people uh and important to people is is really what we need to focus on as professionals you focused on an interesting thing which is you know the smart houses i mean today right you bring your blinds down and up because you use your phone everything is integrated so I, I usually like to use the word integrated or think in an integrated way. And of course, I mean, I'm working in a, in a technology company, right? Um, I'm also a um, water person, as we said. And I think people in the water industry, I tend to think that, right? You act with a purpose. You go to bed and you think about, you know, the water and the aspects of water because mm -hmm. that's what you do. So you do have kind of a, purpose you have a mission right which is to help others users and yeah i said before one of the reasons why i really like to work in an it company i've worked in consultancy and sometimes i would do a project and i would have to say to the person asking me the job you cannot do that that is not legal you can't and they were like but i'm paying you i'm like you know but that's not correct so that's I, I, of... <laughs> uh, yeah that's a much longer conversation um <laughs> So yeah, I, what I mean is that I see when I look at smart, when I think about a smart city taking into account water, I think about technology playing really a key role when it comes to this integration, you know, digital twins, if we want to call it digital twins or a digital representation so that we actually understand the interactions of the several uh, um, aspects, you know, of mm -hmm. the city. But I mean, how do you see this? Do you see technology playing, you know, a major role when it comes to help solve these wicked problems in an integrated? Oh, yeah, no, without a doubt. Um, you know, it, it goes back to, you know, my view that digital is uh, not optional. Uh, you know, we, we cannot manage such a critical resource 
uh, without real-time data and the ability to forecast, uh, you know, water resources, um, you know, surface water, groundwater, uh, but also assets. So, yeah, I, you know, I, I view it as a series of building blocks. So it, it it has to start in the home. It has to start in you know the commercial buildings. Uh, it has to move into neighborhoods, uh, the neighborhood scale, uh, and then also uh, city scale. So interconnected through digital tech as a way to understand, uh, yeah quantity and quality issues uh, and i would also throw in uh, access to water so you know how do we deliver uh, hydration if you will in, in a very different way and you know technology is part of that uh, and i you know often frame this around imagine if people knew the quality of water that was coming out of their tap on a real-time basis uh, you know that would change things dramatically in my view uh, and it would uh, better connect to civil system these issues to civil society um, imagine if the residents of flint michigan had real-time water quality data uh, you know, we would not see you know the, the tragedy that happened in flint and and other cities not just in the u.s but globally um, so yeah, I, I see that. I mean, that's where we're headed, you know, and, and we're getting traction. And you know, there are a number of companies out there that are delivering technology solutions uh, directly to the consumer, customer, but also you know to the uh, public sector and, and also the private sector. Yeah, I mean, today you're already able to see uh, water quality for bathing in some places. I think you know, being able to have more information in real time about water in general and the environment, I would say, um, will become, I think, will be like a natural evolution, I would mm -hmm. say so. Yeah, and, you know, we're seeing that now, um, and it, it will yeah. only accelerate. I, you know, it's interesting that, you know, I was involved in a number of reports, uh, research reports, uh, one by the World Economic Forum before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, we were talking about the adoption uh, and opportunities with digital technologies. And what happened during the pandemic, that digital transformation actually accelerated yes. over time. And it, you know, it accelerated for obvious reasons, you know, the ability to uh, monitor systems remotely and, and uh, manage those systems became absolutely critical. And, uh, you know, it's interesting for me, I, the, the bulk of the work I do is in the private sector. Uh, and you know there's always been this view that well the public sector utilities move slower with respect to innovation and i, I think there's yeah. some truth in that but my point of view has changed in that i i really do believe that uh, the public sector and utilities are adopting digital technologies at a quick pace because of the need to do so yeah and uh you know that's exciting so we're, we're seeing really uh pretty rapid advances in uh choices you know what are the digital technologies that are out there including digital twins uh that are transforming water utilities public sector and the private sector i think it's interesting that you say that because um i mean the adoption has been very fast although we're always seeing that our sector is you know 
uh, very slow by nature, you know, because of the risks. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we always hear that. And 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 we hear this report about, you know, that the, our um, natural resource water is at risk. But if you think back a couple of years ago, I mean, the discharges were done in the river. Rivers were black. So mm-hmm. I like to have a very positive mindset, you know, thinking that some crisis can actually save, you know, our natural resources because oh, sure. it's the fact that we are in Christ that we need to take an action the same we did before when we were discharging you know directly into the rivers into the sea and you know you couldn't even put your feet in 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 the water in some in some areas and today they're clean because you you had to take uh, some measures so I like to see the 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 glass you know half full <laughs> <laughs> well it, yeah it, me me too um yeah, it, you know, it's interesting. Um, yeah, a, a, a crisis does create opportunities. Uh, you know, I, I view scarcity and constraints as a driver for innovation. So, you know, if you tell someone they, they don't have two liters of water, they have one. You, you know, humanity does a pretty good job in terms of figuring out how to how to adjust. Uh, you know, do I think that, you know, we uh, do it fast enough? No, definitely not. I get frustrated with it, but I also recognize that those constraints, these crises, um, do catalyze, uh, innovation. Well, to finish, I mean, one of the things that we have seen is that, you know, everyone has a role to play, um, when it comes to tackling the world's freshwater crisis. I mean, but the real progress will only depend, you know, if we really take actions, you know, the key stakeholders, local, national, um, policymakers, business, even, you know, civil society need to mobilize um, around the way that the world value and, and, and measures the water. So do you have a final comment on this <laughs> to our listeners, you know, who are listening to this? Uh, so that they can also act or demand more action from whoever is, in, in, you know, are the stakeholder. I, I think it's a great way to sort of close out the conversation. <laughs> so I'm going to go back to wicked problems. One of the reasons I, I do uh, love framing water as a wicked problem is that uh, one of the attributes of wicked problems is that all stakeholders have to come together to either solve wicked problems or tame them. And, you know, when I talk about uh, what is a wicked problem, I really point out that it really does take the public sector, you know, through utilities, uh, you know, NGOs, the private sector, all the way up through entrepreneurs and investors to uh, really come together. and one of the things I'm working on uh, this year is you know, creating catalytic communities. So basically communities that bring together very diverse stakeholders uh, that have a bias for action to solve water issues. So for me, the message is everyone needs to be part of this. Everyone needs to contribute what they do best. Uh, and then we can solve some of these things that, uh, you know, challenge us in the world of water. But also, and you brought this up earlier, you talked about ecosystems. I mean, there's a whole movement around now uh, on uh, nature. So the uh, corporate sector uh, thinking about nature as a critical resource and water being part of that. 
and what is their role in addressing uh, some of the challenges with uh, nature and, and turn water as a, a piece of the puzzle. So though, that's my call to action. And, uh, you know, my uh, my closing thought or thoughts. OK, thank you very much, Will. And thanks everyone for listening to to us. Leave your comments. We will be happy to hear what you have also to say about what we discussed here in this podcast. Thanks. Thank you, Cecilia. Great conversation. Thank Thanks. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast to learn more with Bentley's experts helping you solve real water problems with real technology solutions.